Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like we always do with this time I go for mine, I get to shine Now throw your hands up in the sky What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We're not joined by a guest tonight, but we're actually joined by a Twitter celebrity because <laughs> Steven's video of Elijah Moore catching an 80-yard touchdown went completely viral. How does it feel with this newfound fame, Steven? Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. I uh, I can't believe it. Uh, it was funny. Uh, you know, you and I were talking off the air, but uh, everything I, I touched on Saturday just turned to gold. Just happened to be uh, right place, right time with uh, with great camera work on that uh, magnificent bomb from, uh, from Zach to Elijah. So, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was great to get out to the first practice that was available to fans. Uh, I had fun. It was good meeting you for the first time in person. That was awesome. Uh, Will Parkinson joined us, had my son there. So it was a great time all around, man. But yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely cool to snag that video and, uh, and get so many likes and follows. And uh, really appreciate it from Jets Twitter. Yeah. Thank you, everybody who shared it. Thank you for the NFL because they reached out to you personally and they put it on their account and it got like three and a half million views from what I saw. I mean, probably Crazy. more than that. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it was really awesome. And like Steven said, just being at practice the other day was really cool. And, you know, it's great to see fans like it was really fun. You know, got to see Salo up front. You got to see Zach. It was really cool stuff. Um, so, yeah, we can kind of kick it off with just some of the things that we saw on Saturday. And, you know, we can kind of transition to what's been going on since then. But one of the things that I noticed when I was there and I know we were talking about it before is just. I really enjoyed just seeing how Salah approached the entire practice. It wasn't like he was just with the defensive guys. It always seemed like, you know, Rex and Gate, Rex, Gase and Bowles were always specific to their side of the ball. They really weren't running the show. So it seemed like we had an actual head coach for once. Like he was taking notes. He just was like looking at everything, you know, giving pointers, especially with the corners. I noticed specifically, I think he's definitely well aware it's a young group and he wants to give a lot of feedback to them because he's really relying on them to do a lot more than they're probably expected of given how young some of them are. But yeah, I mean, I was just really pleased by that. And I just, you know, the end of the practice when Sal addressed the fans was really awesome. I know I like was walking out cause we didn't want to traffic and you got that video of him. <laughs> yeah. what do you think? Anything really that caught your eye besides Elijah Moore's 80 yard touchdown? <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, I think that's kind of the obvious answer is, is Elijah Moore just jumping off the page kind of every time you uh, every time you see anything with Jets practice right now. And it's been consistent day after day. And uh, when you see it in person, it definitely jumps out. I, I definitely agree with you with Salah. Um, I think, you know, five, six months ago, whenever it was uh, post Gase, 
right? When you're, you know, when the Jets were looking or you knew they were going to be looking for a new head coach, anybody that you would have asked would have said the Jets need a CEO type or a leader of men. Um, after coming away from one practice and, and witnessing that, I think that every Jets fan can be confident that that's what they've found. Um, the way that he runs practice, uh, the way that he talked to the fans, like you mentioned, the excitement that he has, the, the character that he talks about his guys having, uh, you, just de you definitely see that it's the anti-gays and it's exactly what this organization needs. Um, outside of that, I think the biggest takeaway for me uh, really was twofold. I'd say first is the impact that the young guys are really having. So you talk about Elijah Moore, you talk about Elijah Vera Tucker, Michael Carter, those guys and how impactful they're going to be. The second part of that is Zach Wilson. Uh, when you see him throw live, the ball pops off his hand. It's it's impressive. Uh, he can make throws off schedule. Uh, he made you know the one play on the rollout, pump fake, and then hit Denzel Mims uh, a couple times, just fading back, throwing off his back foot, but still having the pop to get it to the to the sideline with Elijah Moore. Um, I just think overall he looks really good. He was impressive. I think we've seen now that he's kind of after that first day back on Friday, he's really stacked good days after good days, which has been encouraging to see. Um, because there's no qualms about it, man. He's going to be starter day one. There's no, there's no competition there. There's no way they can, they can say, you know, otherwise. Um, so it's good to see that he's making progression and kind of uh, that he looks the part when you see him in person. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. He definitely was impressive. Like you said, ball was coming out real fast, had some zip. It was good to see because Darnold had a nice arm, but he didn't really have like yeah. a cannon. Gino probably has had the best arm of anybody who's played quarterback really since Brett Favre on the team. Cause you know, Sanchez had an okay arm. It was more like, you know, more like Sam, but maybe, you know, whatever, but yeah, it was definitely fun to see. And, you know, Elijah Moore really been the talk of the town. And honestly, like it's warranted when you see that guy, you know, in person watching him do like punt returns, you know, watching him just run routes. He's just different. Like, I know I tweeted this earlier today and I know people are saying to like pump the brakes on Elijah Moore, but, and because our secondary isn't great on paper, but mm -hmm. like I said, you know, Corey Davis and Crowder are legit NFL receivers who've been productive for, you know, four or five years at the minimum and they're not doing anything really to stand out. I know Davis had a really nice catch when we were there. And I know we, like they've been solid, but you know, it's like every single day you're hearing or seeing videos about Elijah Moore. And like, when you see him, you understand, like, it's, it's kind of cool that we were able to see him before we did this show, because it's like, sometimes you just need to see to believe because when you're just reading or you're just watching something, it's hard to like get that perspective, but yeah, the guy is talented. And like, it really seems like, you know, when they've had that like clip of Salah saying like, we're so happy, like you fell to us. Like we didn't think it was possible. I get it now. Like he's just, you know, he's so crisp. He seems like a good guy. You know, I remember when we were watching, you know, someone said something to him like, Hey, Elijah. And he kind of gave him like, you know, like a nod, which was cool. Yeah. And you know, that's like something that's been really cool about all the rookies. Like when we were there, Vera Tucker pumped up the crowd and then Elijah did it the next day. And then today, Michael Carter was doing it. So I really think that that's something cool the Jets are doing. I don't know if it's like planned or they just decided to do it. But yeah, I like that the rookies are really trying to connect with the fans and build that rapport. And they all seem like likable guys. And I'm really excited mm -hmm. about the three of them and even some of the guys from the later rounds. So, you know, what did you think about all this? I loved it. I mean, to, to touch on Elijah Moore, yeah, he really just, uh, he, he jumps out. He seems like one of those guys that rarely makes a bad play, which yep. which is nice. And and you made a great point because, yeah, I mean, people will poke fun at the Jets secondary and yeah, there's, there's going to be wards there, but um, you know, even, you know, DJ was on uh, the Badlands podcast earlier today and he said, he's like, Bryce Hall's had a great camp, but he's like, but the one guy that he consistently seems to struggle with is Elijah Moore. So I think it's, you know, as we progress, it's going to be 
really, really difficult for the Jets to not start him come week one at Carolina. He's just making mm-hmm. it that way. He's the guy that just consistently is making plays. Um, he's going to he's gonna force himself into that starting lineup. And I think we all feel a little bit better about it now that LaFleur is the offensive coordinator and where last year, if it were Adam Gase, having Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder on the field together would have felt like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. This year, it feels like they'll be able to make it work. So whether that's, you know, how it shakes out, I think Corey Davis is going to be the default number one. You'll figure out how to get Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder on the field at the same time, or whether it's Moore and uh, and um, Denzel Mims, you know, whatever. But I think overall, it's it's you're going to be hard pressed to keep uh, Elijah Moore not in the starting lineup. But yeah. from the rest of the young group, I mean, I think uh, you're seeing it. It's it's an infusion of youth, which is great to see. I think you know, come you know a 17, uh, 18 week season, you know, seventeen game schedule. There's going to be some bumps in the road, definitely, when you're relying on this kind of youth. But guys like Mackay, Barrett Tucker, uh, you know, Bryce Hall is going to get thrust into a, a starting spot. I'm sure I think that's, you know, that's pretty much penciled in at this point, even, you know, given the, the news from today with him running with the twos. But um, we'll see how it shakes out. But it's encouraging to see kind of this infusion of youth that's really taking this, you know, grabbing the bull by the horns and leading the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not like they don't have veterans on the team. I know there's just a lot of, like, key starting positions, specifically in the secondary, where it's really young. But, like, you know, guys like Morgan Moses, guys like, you know, I know Vinny Curry's hurt, but he's definitely going to probably be a leader on the team. He's one of the more veteran guys. But, yeah, no, I just think that there is a good balance of that. And I know, like, you know, no, the expectations aren't super high for this team, but, like, I'm excited to see some of these guys grow and, you know, see how they perform. And I, I think Sal is really going to get the most out of these young players. And it just you just can kind of see it when you were watching him this past weekend. Um, yep. One thing to know today from practice is Vera Tucker actually didn't practice. He was working with the training staff. I don't really think there's much to make of it at this point in time. I think, you know, he's, you know, he's still getting like used to the NFL rigors and everything like that. But like, does that concern you at all? I mean, I don't think he has much of an injury history, but you know, it's, it's early. He's only like five practices in. So what do you think about it? Yeah. I mean, I I heard it was a strain pack, um, which, you know, that's going to happen. You know, we're five days into camp or or whatever it is. So no, we're not going to hit the panic button just yet. I mean, you'd obviously like to see him out there, but I think uh, the jets are going to be cautious with this uh, as with everything. And when, especially when it's someone that's not buying for a roster spot and they need, uh, you know, definitely as a, as a starter, that's already penciled in similar to Quinton Williams, you're going to be, I'd rather have them be cautious than try to force something in and risk further injury or, or, you know, missing, you know, actual time. What yeah, do you think? yeah. Same here. I mean, like if it was like recurring or he's not practicing three days in a row, then I'm going to start to get concerned. But like, if he's back out there on the next one, I feel good about it. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it just yet, but obviously we can monitor how it's going when they play and like their scrimmage this weekend. And then obviously the first preseason game against the giants, but yeah, mm-hmm. nothing really to be concerned about the kind of transitioning. I know Mims has really been a big topic of conversation about him running with the twos and threes. We got to see him. He did make one nice, really pl- nice catch from Zach on when he did a rollout. It was really great, but yeah, it's definitely been a little concerning. He hasn't really popped. And I know, you were talking about this with me before. It's just that uh, DJ Montgomery, according to DJ, when he was on Badlands, was saying that he's been better than Denzel so far in camp. I know we're only like a week in. I know there hasn't been a preseason game or even the scrimmages yet. But like, what would you say is like your panic meter about Mims? Because like we had high hopes for this guy. He was a second round pick. He flashed a little bit last year. He's big, physical and has speed. But if he's really not able to crack any sort of like starting time in practice, starting to get a little worried about him. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, my level on the panic meter is definitely increasing. You know, last week, I believe we talked about this and I was still confident that he'd be, you know, in the top three receivers when all is said and done with the Jets. And I'm not sure if I'm, you know, uh, fully ready to plant my stake in that hill just, you know, again. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I guess 
we got to give him time. It's a new offense. You know, yeah, he's still a second year guy. I get it. Uh, but I guess the further along this goes and the more practices and days that go by where he's kind of not, not even just wowing, but not really, you know, producing really anything, the hole that he, or the hole that he has to climb out of just continues to get bigger. So when you hear things like DJ Montgomery is outperforming, like that's, that is kind of concerning. I mean, I would get, you know, Keelan Cole, a veteran, um, you know, someone like that. I understand that. And, and Keelan Cole, you know, he did, he, he impressed me more than Mims on Saturday. I'll have to he say that, good. but he did. But when it's like, it's guys like DJ Montgomery and, and Denzel still running consistently with the twos and the threes, I'd say that's, you know, semi-concerning and, and something to definitely keep an eye out for. Cause that's still every day that goes by that's, that's bigger, uh, you know, a bigger hole that he has to dig himself out of to, uh, to get to a starting role, which I think we all are kind of banking on um, yeah. you know, come week one. So what are your thoughts on Mims? Yeah, I mean, definitely a little concerned, but like you said, it, it needs to be more of a recurring trend as we get forward forward into camp of the preseason. But honestly, I think the emergence of Elijah Moore has definitely probably calmed those worries because he seems like a guy that has to start, and maybe mm-hmm. it's just it's fine. I mean, I know he doesn't have the ideal size, but I think his technique and route running and just ability to just stretch the field, it's like it's fine by me. We have Corey Davis as like you know our big body six four guy, so I'm fine with it. And Corey did look good. Another guy that, you know, we've been interested about, and I know you've been standing on the hive and, you know, Joe and Connor have been standing <laughs> on the hive is Herndon. He made yeah. some plays. I got a good video of him making a nice catch from Zach. And, you know, all indications are he's been really good so far in camp. I know it's only been a week, but it's better than him just really being quiet. Like, you know, Mims has been, and I know Croft had a really nice grab as well. So I'm kind of encouraged to see tight ends. I don't mm-hmm. really think that Griffin or Daniel Brown really has a legitimate shot of anything other than blocking at this point, but Definitely encouraging to see Herndon, and I definitely think that he's really coming along, and I think maybe he could tap back into that glimpse of hope that we had, you know, at the end of 2018 with Sam, because he is a great athlete, you know, he has hands, he's an okay blocker, but I think Croft was brought in really to block. What did you think about Herndon when you saw him up close? Yeah, I thought he looked good on Saturday. And I, I think the reports have been pretty positive, uh, you know, over the course of the first few days of camp, which are encouraging. Um, I think it's, you know, it's hard to say, but I really do think he just had a case of the yips last year. It just seemed like it was like a mental block. And I'm sure that being in an Adam Gase offense on a two and 14 team doesn't help that. Um, but he did finish the year strong. So I hope that he can continue to do that because um, I'd like to see, you know, regardless of how it shakes out, I'd like to see a one-two punch of him and Croft. I think that's just, it's beneficial and a tight end can end up being a, a rookie, you know, a young quarterback's best friend. Um, so I hope we can, we continue to see more of the same from Herndon. And I really do think that we can, I think he can get back to that 2018, you know, last four games, last four games of the year form. Um, you know, I'm not going to put him in the top tight ends in the league just yet, but I do think that he's got a shot to be, uh, you know, a, a decent to good player, um, and really succeed in this offense. And that's, you know, we said it about Mims. That's another thing that you can't, uh, you can't discount. We're, you know, what, what, five days into practice in a brand new offense, a brand new system. So we, we have to pump the brakes a little bit on this stuff and give these guys time to adjust and time to learn. Yeah, but totally. I'd like to I'll, I'll transition away from uh, the offensive side of the ball a little bit. I think one thing, you know, your original question was, you know, what kind of stood out to you? I think one thing that stood out every day of camp uh, following all these reports is really how good that D line is. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, they're really, you know, they're getting after Zach, uh, you know, and, and the, the matchup between Carl Lawson and Mackay Becton, I think is, is something to watch, you know, and Mackay with the, the iron sharpens iron, which I love, love which is a vast improvement over him just going up against Jordan Jenkins last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that D line has a chance to be really, really good. Um, so I guess my, my question is to you is kind of two part is 
you know, what's come away as the most impressive part. And then really, how do you think this shakes out? Because at the end of this camp, it's a deep group and there's going to be some guys on the outside that are looking in. So who do you think could be those guys? Yeah. I mean, Lawson's been really just impressing everybody. I mean, I think it's tough to really just to, you know, pick anything just yet, but I think, you know, Vinny Curry could be someone to worry. I know he's hurt, but you can't blame injury, but sometimes that's just what happens. Availability is important in the NFL because it's only, you know, 17 games It's about to 16, but you got to be healthy. Um, I also think a guy like Ronald Blair is probably on the outside looking in, you know, I know he's a solid guy. He's coming from that San Francisco defense, but he's kind of buried in the depth chart. Um, I also think Nathan Shepard, even though I was reading that Rankins really likes him, is he's popped a little bit. I think he could be somebody that could be a surprise cut. I've actually liked what I saw with him last year. I know it was a bad team and it really wasn't a lot of positives take away, but I think he could be someone that's really, you know, on the fence 50, 50 of making the final roster. But, you know, I'm really excited to see when Quinn's out there, it was tough for us to really get a gauge of it because when they're not, there's no pads on when we were watching, you know, the offensive line versus the defensive line, it's not going to be like a true tale, but you know, if Lawson's just constantly getting in the backfield, which everyone's been saying, and I know he, he was a ton when we were watching, you know, it's definitely a good sign. But one of the things that DJ was saying on Badlands, he was, is just that when they play against the Giants or like, you know, the Packers and that's that joint practice, that's really going to be the telling tale if they can get past those linemen, especially the Packers, because they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So if loss is really mm-hmm. disruptive there, that's going to be really telling. But I'm, you know, I think 10 sacks, is definitely a reachable goal, maybe even more depending on if, number one, if he's healthy, because I know earlier in his career he had some health concerns. But I'm super excited about Carl. And honestly, every time I listen to him and just watch him at press conferences, the guy's just got such a great attitude and smile. It's just like, how does this, like, how did we get this guy? Like, I was making the joke. I'm like, why would the Bengals let this guy go? I know, you know, the sacks weren't showing up, but it's such an overrated thing. I mean, he was like second in the league behind TJ Watt. I know I've mentioned this in, you know, hurries or, or quarterback pressures. So like, I'm super excited about him. And I, you know, I think the defensive line as a whole, I just think the depth is great. You know, Foley's great. Um, you know, also love uh, what's it called Phillips. Who's a nice depth mm-hmm. piece. He also could be someone who could be on the outside looking in, but I really like what I saw from him last year as well. What do you think? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to not say Carl Lawson um, popping off, you know, really that's, that's, he's who jumps out at you. Um, I do think though that Sheldon Rankins is kind of going to be the X factor of this defensive line Um, and hearing what he had to say, you know, yesterday about just, you know, get three yards upfield, however, however it happens in the simplicity of of solid scheme. um, It's music to your ears. So I, I, I love it, but I do think, I think Rankins has a chance to be kind of that X factor where, you know, they're going to focus on Carl Lawson when Kevin Williams is healthy, they're going to focus there. So if Rankins can get one-on-ones and, and win consistently, and then you got JFM on the other side, I mean, that's huge. And then if Vinny Curry can make it back healthy and be that situational, you know, rotational pass rusher, that's going to be big as well. I think uh, this defensive line has the chance to be really, really good this year. And honestly, if the Jets defense is going to be, you know, good as in the top half of the league or top 20, I think the defensive line has to be and has to carry that unit. Cause you know uh, we've talked about the secondary struggles kind of ad nauseum, but we really haven't talked about the linebacker group too much, which is mm-hmm. really, you know, it's thin and, you know, outside of CJ Mosley, which, you know, you have to say is a question mark at this point coming off uh, pretty much two years off. Um, you know, we're relying on Gerard Davis to be a day one starter. And then you're relying on one of the two rookie safety converts, you know, uh, to be a day one starter as well. And Hamza Nasruddin or, or Jamie and Sherwood show. So um, there's some concern there, but the defensive line has to eat if this, uh, if this defense is going to be yeah. any good. 
Um, you know, thinking fast forwarding to, you know, the end of camp and who's going to be on the outside looking in, I think Zuniga, uh, you know, hasn't really impressed. He's I, hurt. I really, yeah. And, and so like you said, the best, the best ability is availability. And when you're not on the field and you're a questionable guy anyway, in a deep mm-hmm. group, that's going to be tough. Nathan Shepard could be as well. Um, you know, I don't know. So we'll see how it shakes out. It's going to be interesting to see how many they keep and who could really be, you know, the guys that are, uh, are left uh, cut and, and not on this group. Cause it is uh, it's a good group and a deep group at that. Yeah. The only thing I would say that's working in Zuniga's favor is he was picked by Joe Douglas. I would say <clears throat> anyone prior to, you know, the 2020 draft, if they're questionable at best, they're probably gone. Cause it's mm-hmm. like Joe Douglas wants to rid himself of all of like, you know, the garbage that he inherited from McCagden that's still on the team. Yeah. Um, that's, that's why Nathan Shepard definitely could be someone who's really on the outside looking in, but he definitely showed something last year. If he has another strong, you know, preseason training camp, I think he'll probably stay, yeah. but, um, I actually missed on our guy, JFM. I'm a little pissed at myself about that, but one of the things I was reading on CBS sports is he essentially was ranked by, um, Chris Chaprasso as the mm-hmm. NFL's most underrated defensive lineman. It used to be Grady Jarrett's title from Atlanta, but he was saying that JFM is actually now the most underrated defensive lineman. I love that someone like him is getting that national attention because, you know, Trapasso is not, you know, a Jets beat writer. He's somebody who just looks at the league as a whole. And mm-hmm. I, I really see what he's saying because there was advanced metrics on PFF actually really bode well for JFM. And I'm excited to see with him with better talent around them because really all he had last year was like Quinn and Foley and Phillips. But now that he has a guy like Rankins and he has a guy like Lawson, it can only help him because if those mm-hmm. guys are getting double teams, they're getting a lot of the attention. He's, he could eat, man. He could get like, you yeah. know, seven, eight sacks, which would be great for a guy like him. So yep. I'm excited about him and that prospects. And I think the seventh uh, ranking by PFF for the defensive line is definitely not something that's like, you know, unrealistic. It can mm-hmm. be even top three if, you know, everything bodes right health. And, you know, Carl Lawson really breaks out like we're expecting him to with his $15 million a year contract. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the JFM point is a great one. And I think, you know, he was the second best pass rusher on this team last year outside of Quinn and Williams. So now yeah. when you add those guys in that they brought in, like, uh, you know, Rankins and, and Lawson and now Vinnie Curry, too, I think that just provides more opportunity for JFM, not to mention kind of those second chance sacks where maybe Lawson gets there first, but, uh, you know, but just gets, you know, gets a quarterback's foot and JFM's there to clean it up or, you know, whatever. So I think there's opportunity there. The other one that we forgot to mention, too, is how good Bryce Huff has looked in camp. Yep. Um, you know, that's another one. I think he's a rising star. Um, and I think that's just another guy to throw in that rotation to keep people fresh and, uh, mm-hmm. and get after the quarterback, which is going to be absolutely huge for this defense. It's going to be the only way that they'll be able to succeed. Yeah, definitely. And for anyone who wants to learn, learn more about Bryce Huff, check out his interview <laughs> with Lil Parkinson on the podcast feed. I also posted it on our channel yesterday. So really good interview, really good guy. Seems really genuine. So definitely check that out if you want to learn more about Bryce. I've really enjoyed it and shout out to Will for putting that together. Um, and then, you know, I know the running backs have been really interesting and we got to see a lot of Tevin Coleman, a lot of Michael Carter and even Ty Johnson. Um, it seemed pretty even, and that's really been what all the reports have been since camp opened. I personally thought that Carter had a little more juice, but you know, it was hard to say without pads because they're essentially not going to hit the running back. They're not going to actually hit some holes. One of the things I noticed was towards the end of practice, Coleman was getting attention. He was kind of laying down on the ground. I was a little concerned because he is somebody who's been injured throughout his NFL career, but very productive when he's out there. And then I saw he was practicing the next day, which was great. And the funny thing is I quoted something and his wife actually answered being like, Hey, like this is just maintenance. You know, he's just trying to stay fresh and he's really motivated for his role, which is really cool. So now that we know that if he's like, you know, missing time or anything, it could be just veteran maintenance because that is a common thing around the NFL, but I love Coleman. I've really liked him since his days in Atlanta. I think he's a good, you know, number two to for a one, two punch. 
And I really think that Carter really has something going. I know he's a little bit undersized, but man, can that guy fly? He really can run fast. I know he was doing some return work as well. But yeah, I'm really excited about these running backs. And I'm interested to see who really are the third and fourth running back. I think Ty Johnson is pretty much a lock because of his ability to contribute in the pass game. But then it comes down to like P. Ryan Adams. And then I think there's another guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head because he was on the team last year. But P. Ryan has had really good reports. And I know people said don't sleep on him. But I'm, I personally just like what I saw from Ty Johnson last year. What do you think about these guys? Yeah, it's going to be hard. I think uh, when it all shakes out, I think there's four guys kind of vying for three spots. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's going to come down to P. Ryan versus um, – uh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Sorry. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think Michael Carter looks extremely impressive. I think he's going to be the uh, de facto, you know, starter uh, come day one. And I think the, probably the majority of carries is going to be split between him and, and Tevin Coleman. Um, after that, that three, four, you know, wh- whoever makes it out of those two, it's going to be really hard to, uh, to judge, especially right now. Cause I think they both look good on Saturday. Um, they both, you know, I think the reports coming out of camp are that they're both impressing. Um, so really it's going to be interesting to see how that, uh, that third spot shakes out. Cause I don't see them taking or keeping, you know, four uh, running backs on the roster at this point. Yeah. I mean, if anything, one of them will be on the practice squad. Hello, yeah. Josh Adams. He's been the practice squad King for running backs <laughs> the last two seasons. Wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it happened again, but maybe they want to roll in a different direction because it is a whole new offense, different coordinator and everything like that. Um, and kind of just touching on the offense, one of the questions that we got from somebody named Alex Gilbert was, has the offense been doing any pre-snap motions at practice? Absolutely. That was the, one of the biggest things that stood out to me when I was watching this offense function. Didn't matter who was behind center, whether it was Mike White, Morgan, or Zach, so much. And it's such a breath of fresh air because we're so used to Adam Gage just doing his you know, 12 personnel and just the same thing over and over again. So I'm really excited. And I think that there's going to be a lot of, you know, audibles and a lot of just like, you know, mixing and matching based on the, you know, the coverage of the defenses, like showing them. But yeah, that was definitely something that stood out to me. And I'm excited about that because it was something the offense has been lacking for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, even on the video that, uh, you know, we mentioned in the beginning of the show, but the bomb to Elijah Moore, there was uh, a fake reverse thrown in there. Um, and I think every one of the videos, you know, three or four videos I shot after that, even, you know, a little completion to Mims or whatever, there was motion on every play, which again, mm-hmm. Stephen, to your point, a breath of fresh air following Gase, <laughs> who, you know, was as stagnant as, as stagnant could be. So um, yeah, I think motion is going to be a big part of this offense. Um, and uh, I think we saw it early on in camp already. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, and I wanted to circle back on the linebackers because I know you were talking about Mosley as a question mark. I was really impressed about his weight. I know that's been a yep. topic of conversation, but he looked great. He was moving well, you know, when I was watching linebackers do their positional drills. But nobody really stood out from the linebackers, I would say, during, like, practice. Um, one of the rookie corners, I'm not sure if it was Pinnock or um, Eccles, made a really nice acrobatic pick. I think it was on Mike Pinnock. White. But yeah, that was something that was cool to see. You know, it was like kind of like one of those like Cromartie when he was on the Chargers when he went like this and like just put his yeah. arm back. So that was some cool stuff to see. But just a couple of nuggets. Um, I'm excited to see what happens during the green white scrimmage because, you know, there'll be some fans. It'll be kind of like a game situation. Interested to see what happens. Hopefully, you know, Zach has some good throws and everything to get the fan base hype. But um, what was like, you know, what was besides the arm strength, what was something about Zach that really stood out? I thought it was his speed because I was watching him do yeah. like wind sprints. He's a mm-hmm. lot faster than I thought. Like I thought he was just kind of a good athlete, but he definitely has some speed. Like I, yeah. I was impressed by that. Watching him do like his, those jogs. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think uh, along those same lines, I think his mobility kind of stood out and that's mobility within the pocket and then an off schedule play. So the, you know, the two that stood out, um, you know, the one I spoke of earlier with the, uh, the off play or off schedule throw to Mims, you know, moves within the pocket, kind of moves up, pump fake, slides out and then hits Mims on, on a rollout right which, you know, at something, you know, in this floor offense, I think is going to be big, but then even on that big play to more, like watching him climb the pocket, kind of shoulder shrug, get away from Lawson mm -hmm. and then climb the pocket to make that big throw uh, with that little, you know, Aaron Rodgers esque hop. I, I just, you know, I'd love <laughs> to see that. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's Aaron Rodgers, but he's got a little bit of that look to him. So um, I just think he's got some mobility in the pocket. And I think, you know, outside of that, uh, the arm strength and the way that he throws the ball, it, you know, kind of pops off his hand, which is great. Um, but he does have, he's got a little bit of juice and I think uh, it's going to be a pleasant little surprise uh you know come the season uh, when the season starts yeah definitely definitely um so one of the things that actually did happen today in addition to vera tucker you know not practicing was they did sign a backup quarterback not somebody that we ideally would want mr josh johnson who's been on pretty much every team in the nfl <laughs> besides like fitzpatrick um so what do you think about this do you think he's a legit option to be zach's backup with maybe either white or morgan on the chopping block or do you think this is more of just a camp arm someone with experience to help him guide through the preseason and maybe they have another guy in mind like nick Foles, which we could talk about in a little bit so what do you think about josh yeah. johnson honestly i think he's uh, you know i think he's got to have a realistic chance to make this team and be a, a true veteran backup i think they probably realize that with a 30 something year old offensive coordinator and mm -hmm. three guys that are playing you know that are uh the, at the quarterback position that haven't taken a snap I, I think they probably realize that they need some kind of veteran presence so i'd mm -hmm. say he's got you know outside of you know which you just said we'll talk about is you know going after a veteran like nick Foles. but if if that doesn't happen i think josh johnson definitely has a good chance to make this team just kind of be that veteran leader in that room and be able to guide zach wilson not only through the preseason and camp but through you know the whole season so what are your thoughts on him yeah, I actually sort of disagreed with you, but you brought up some good points that may have swayed me. I personally think he's just a camp arm and maybe just a guy to kind of coach the guys who are, since they're so young throughout yeah. training camp, and then maybe they acquire somebody else. I do think, you know, the Carson Wentz injury makes the whole Nick Foles situation a lot murkier. But one of mm -hmm. the things that, you know, you could think about is, you know, they're, they already have, you know, uh, Jacob Eason on Indianapolis and they have Sam Elliger, who I was reading just before, is looking pretty good with the second team reps and then maybe give him some first team reps. But I think the Jets should really do whatever they can to acquire Nick Foles. I know he wants to start, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's not starting for a reason, you know. So mm -hmm. I think he has to be realistic with the situation. The offense fits him, you know. I'm sure he has a house in Philadelphia because he's played there twice. So I think it makes sense for him to want to maybe play for the Jets. And if Zach were to go down, I would actually feel pretty good about us being able to win or a game or two, depending on the, the length of an injury. Knock on wood, don't want that to happen. But I'm just saying yep. it's – Something you got to think about because, you know, the Sam Mono stuff was really unpredictable. And Luke Falk was like the worst thing I could ever watch in my life. Like, I don't yeah. think that there was ever a worse quarterback that ever took a snap <laughs> to this team since I've been watching. I mean, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. There's some bad ones, but he couldn't there even move the bad. ball. Bubby Brister was up there. Uh, Brooks Bollinger, uh, honorable mention. But yeah, Brooks Bollinger wasn't as bad as him because I remember Brooks Bollinger. Yeah, he, he was not good, run. but he wasn't he, as bad as Luke Falk. He could at least run. I'll give him that. Uh, he could move back there, so that was good. But yeah, no, I, I agree. Honestly, man, you know, I was kicking this around, but what about RG3? 
you know, you yeah. think about someone that uh, that could come in and what we need them for, honestly, because like, we've talked about this, you know, a couple of times on the show. So if, if, if Zach Wilson's going to go down for four or five games, the season's pretty much shot. But if you need a guy to come in for a half game and a half or whatever, I think RG3 could be that guy. And, and from what I see, he's available. He's, you know, he's putting out Twitter videos left and right and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I would kick the tires on a guy like that. Someone that could come in, that's got some experience. That's, you know, at least still semi-mobile, even though he's a little bit older, but still, I think that's, uh, that's someone that I would definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea. I, you know, and I think also with him, former number two overall pick. So he's been in the yeah. shoes that Zach Wilson's in. So exactly. I don't think that that's a crazy thought. One of the things I did read about him, he's been auditioning for TV jobs to be like a, yeah. you know, a color commentator. So maybe that's where his focus is. He's hoping he can get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all aboard with that. I'm, and I think he's got the experience. You know, he's been a starter. He had high expectations, was playing in a big market in Washington. So yeah, I'm with that. I support that 100%. I mean, I would have preferred that over Josh Johnson. I don't really know what they were thinking. I mean, I guess it's like the experience that it's kind of like a McCown ish kind of guy that are maybe trying to get their version of McCown since McCown's retired. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, I personally would rather another option, but I'm happy as somebody is in there who's been in the league for a long time. could talk about the little things that maybe, you know, a Mike white or a James Morgan really doesn't know how to explain because those guys have never done anything in the NFL. I mean, they, Mike white was just backing up Sam last year because Flacco was hurt and Morgan was on the practice squad essentially, or, I don't even know if he actually was. He just was never active on game days. So, yeah, I think that we definitely need someone in there who who's been through the you know been through war and an NFL mm-hmm. season gets it. Can help them with st- little little things like studying and film stuff like that. So hopefully Josh Johnson you can bring that to the table because we need that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you know you asked me to pick between Josh Johnson and Mike White or James Moore to be in the backup, I'll say Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson, ten <laughs> times out of ten. Um, but if another option comes available, if 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 Foles is really on the table, or if a guy like RG three is out there, then I'm going to pick them over Josh Johnson. Um, that's just the, the reality of the situation. I'd rather have someone that's uh, that's really done it in this league, um, at least you know to some extent, some level, um, and someone that can kind of coach uh, Zach Wilson a little bit better. But I do think at this point right now, I think it's at least good that they're recognizing that they need a little bit of veteran presence in the room uh, to guide Zach Wilson a little, and uh, you know keep this going at least through camp. So. If I uh, kind of want to transition a little bit away from, well, still on the quarterback position, but away from just the Jets. But if I were to ask you in the AFC East, I think, you know, every quarterback situation tells a little bit of a different story. But if I were to say and ask which quarterback in the AFC East for 2021 is under the most pressure, who do you think that would be? It's a good, it's a good debate. I'm going to go with Tua. I know Josh Allen had a great year and everyone's like, can he do it again? But Tua is under a lot of pressure, man. You know, he was a top 10 pick. He was, you know, picked before Justin Herbert. So, you know, they and Justin Herbert looked like the best rookie quarterback by far last year. I know Burrow was good before he got hurt, but Herbert was significantly better, in my opinion. And I, and I like what I saw from Burrow. And Tua just didn't impress me. I, I know there was some stuff with the offensive coordinator with Chan Gailey, how he wasn't letting him, like, let loose. It was more of, like, the short intermediate throws. But you know what? This guy, it was one of the one of the best college quarterbacks ever. He was great at Alabama and, like, had a lot of hype and, People were saying, like, you know, before Joe Burrow really emerged, like, he should have been the number one overall pick, you know, coming into the 2020 draft. So I would say it's definitely Tua. You know, they gave him a lot of weapons. I know they don't have, like, a legit running game. I know Miles Gaskin's there, and I think that they signed somebody else. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they have, he has receivers. His offensive line is okay. It's not great. I know that they've drafted some young guys, but they really haven't seen the growth just yet. But it has to be Tua. I mean – he basically, they, they gave up Fitz and Fitz was better than him last year. It's no question about it. I mean, he had to, you know, essentially play relief pitcher in a couple of games last year when they just didn't feel that Tua was given the best chance to win. So I definitely would say Tua, who's your, 
I'm, do you agree with me or do you think more Josh Allen? Because <laughs> I don't think it's Cam because I think Cam's kind of cooked, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think two is a bad answer. I think two is probably the obvious one. I think, you, you know, mm-hmm. coming off a 10 and six season where they almost made the playoffs, but Tua kind of had a roller coaster and a quick hook with Brian Flores. And, yeah. you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of got him there, all that stuff. And then, you know, he didn't, he admitted that he didn't really know the playbook like he should have. So that's probably the reason for the quick hook. So I get it. Two is the obvious answer. So first I'll run through kind of the other three. I don't think it's Zach Wilson. I do think there's pressure on Zach Wilson. That comes it's different though. He has more it leash. Is. It is. And, and, you know, the Jets fan base were clamoring for a, a we have been since, you know, Joe Namath, we're clamoring for a, a franchise quarterback. So I get it, but I think Jets fans kind of realize the patience we're, 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 uh, we're to the point where we accept where we're at. We know where we're at and we're going to be patient with Zach Wilson. And we're realizing that this is a process. So I don't think it, the answer is Zach. Um, if I were to make an argument for cam, I think it's actually there. Uh, I think it comes with kind of the Patriots territory. They haven't had one bad season, uh, you know, in 20 years, let alone two in a row. I know. So, when they go seven and nine and when cam looks the way that he did and they go out and they, they improve their offense and the weapons, you know, I don't think they were that great of moves, but I think a lot of people do, you know, you add two tight ends, you add two receivers that pressure's on cam and he's going to have a quick hook because Mac Jones is waiting right there. So I think there is a case to be made for cam in all reality. I think it really does come down to either Tua versus Josh Allen. And I think there's a lot of pressure on Josh Allen here because everyone and their mother is just saying that the bills are, are, are going to win the AFC East and there's no they question. <laughs> But to, to build upon what he did last year and to repeat or even get close to repeating that success, there's a lot of pressure there. And, and I'll, from a fan's perspective, you know, I think Bills and Jets fans kind of identify with each other because we've just had years and years of heartbreak together. So we, yep. we kind of get it. Uh, you know, misery loves company, that kind of thing. But for all of this uh, to be just expected of Josh Allen with everything uh, that they've done, the success they had last year, combined with the moves they made, the coaches they're bringing back, all that stuff, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of weight to carry. So you mentioned on the show before too, is the injury luck they've kind of had. So if things start to break down a little bit, I do think there's some pressure there on Josh Allen that I think could rival what we're all expecting out of Tua, uh, you know, that kind of pressure that's on Tua. So I'm just saying, I do think probably gun to my head, the answer is still Tua, but I do think it's not as clear cut as most people would. Yeah, say. no, I think, I think it's more of like, um, you know, a 60, 40 split. I think it's like 60% more geared towards Tua and then 40% to Josh Allen. Josh yeah. Allen's playing for a contract. That's another thing that can mentally that's- kind of get to him because he, he realizes that, like, you know, if he if he flunders a little bit, he's, you know, his contract may be a lot lower than he's expecting. I mean, ultimately, I think they're going to get it done. I, I was reading how if they don't get it done by week one, they're going to table it until the end of the season. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think Josh Allen was really impressive. I was very against him. Didn't think he was anything special. I was, very, you know, just underwhelmed for the first two years. I yeah. kind of felt like when they made the playoffs in 2019, it was more because of their defense and running game versus, you know, him. But he really did take that next step. He was really accurate, made some had great chemistry with Diggs. But, you know, the expression, you know, instead of being the underdog, now they're the hunted. You know, mm-hmm. they're the team that everyone's picking to win the AFC East. And they should be because they were impressive last year. They got to, they got to the AFC Championship game. So, I mean, I think that they'll be really good. I still think they're going to win like 11, 12 games at the minimum, maybe even more because I know there is the extra game. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure on them to back this up. And. To be honest with you, I don't think that they have a great running game. I mean, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary really didn't solidify themselves last year. They both were okay, but Josh Allen's really their best runner, if you think about it. (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, I mean, if I were a Bills fan, that's kind of the one thing that would annoy me is that they don't utilize the running backs the way that I think they should. Yeah, Uh, I think Josh Allen is a he's a a good passer, and I think he's a great runner as a quarterback. If I were them, I'd be slightly concerned with just injuries. Yeah, um, undesigned. Fair. 
because totally they, you fair. know he 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 runs well and he does that enough uh, as a scramble kind of off schedule but doing those design runs consistently man that's just asking for your quarterback to get hurt so that's yeah. one thing that would really concern me uh, as a bills fan is that i do because i think i think zach moss and, and devin singletary are, are talented i just you know i think that uh, brian davis would find a way to get him the ball more yeah definitely i mean you can kind of really use a lot of comparisons of cam to josh allen with the way they play yeah. you know they're athletes who can throw and Cam was terrific. I mean, he won an MVP mm-hmm. and Josh Allen was the runner up for MVP last year. So it's not like he didn't have that great. He, he was on that trajectory, but yeah. Cam can tell you, you know, if you, you take too many hits, you're going to miss some time. And Josh Allen's missed time in his career already. And not last year, but his first two years, he definitely did. So he's got to be careful, but you know, I'm interested to see how the AFC East is going to unfold. It's finally not the Patriots, you know, the Patriot <laughs> open as they say, because they're yeah. the ones who would always just win it in a landslide, but it's going to be fun. I mean, for me, if the Jets don't finish last, to me, that's a win <laughs> because they're expected to be last. And I think that they'll improve. They're not going to be, you know, a pushover like they were last year when I felt like every week they were going to lose until they prove this otherwise when they beat the Rams and they beat the Browns when they had no receivers. But yeah. I'm excited. I mean, steal some games. They got to steal some <laughs> games in the division. They won none of them last year. No. And they've had a terrible record, you know, dating back really to the end of Bulls' tenure. So win some of those games, you know, show some progress and – you know, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be, you know, raising that AFC, AFC East banner because <laughs> we haven't had one since 2002. So we're kind of due yeah. at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about how good 98 to 2002, we had two in five years. I mean, that's, uh, that's incredible. And then Basically the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, if yeah, any Patriot I mean, fans are listening or watching. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do think, you know, it's easy to say there's nowhere to go but up uh, following a two and 14 Adam Gase led team. But in all reality, like, you know, if, okay, if the Jets win four games, is that an improvement? Yes. But if they only win four games, I'm not going to lie. I'll be disappointed. Yeah, um, I, I do, you know, I want to see uh, improvement to the point where it's, you know, six or seven wins at least. And uh, they're competitive in, in pretty much every game. I get, you know, we, we said it earlier. It's a, it's a young team there. There's gonna, you know, they're going to take their lumps. There's going to be bumps in the road. I get that. Um, but if we, if we finish the season, you know, four and 13 or five and 12, I'm legitimately going to be disappointed and upset by that. Um, And I really do. I think that there's a path here for them to get to like seven or eight wins and and be, you know, kind of at least in the, in the hunt come, uh, come December. Um, And we'll, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, four or five wins, that's, that's going to be a a failure in my eyes if I'm, if I'm being 100% honest. Four to me is a failure. Five is not as bad because, you know, it's a little bit closer to like the over under because the over under six and a half. Yeah. Depends on how, of course, yeah. if they win five games, but you know, so I, let's just say five of those 12 losses, they lost in the fourth quarter, like in the last like yes. five minutes, different perspective. Cause like, Agreed. think about it. The jets were seven to nine in 2019. It was the flukiest seven, nine of all time. Oh, yes. I, I think we've talked about this on the show before. It's like yeah. sort of one and seven. They fed on a soft schedule, you mm-hmm. know, Gase, they got lucky with some things with some breaks like they shouldn't have won that Dolphins game. I remember Flores was like so heated at the end of the game because it was a stupid. Remember when you could challenge pass interference, which was like yeah. the dumbest thing. And I understood why they did it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, just, it's more of how it looks versus the actual record because records can be deceiving. Like the Patriots were seven and nine last year. They were worse than a seven nine team. They had yeah. two wins against the Jets and they could have lost either of those games. Agreed. Yeah. So if you, I mean, yeah, if you think back to the 2018 season with, uh, you know, the closing of that with in Darnold's rookie year, you know, mm-hmm. that Packers game, that was a shootout where they went back and it's forth. one of the best games if in we, a while. 
right? If we have games like that where, where we end up losing by a touchdown late, okay, I'm fine with that. But if mm-hmm. these are, you know, uh, 31 to seven where it's over in the second quarter, man, I don't want any part yeah. of that. That's if that, we're putting know, up consistently, yeah, yeah, agreed. If we're putting up like, you know, 20 plus points, like closer yeah. to maybe like 25, that's fine by me. Even if we lose the game, it's just showing progress that there's a functioning offense that, you know, when you're watching red zone, the Jets actually get into the red zone. There's not like, <laughs> oh, there they are. Scott, Scott yeah. Hansen making jokes, which I do think it's kind of funny as a Jets fan because it's just like I'm so numb to all the Jet jokes at this point. It is. It's, I know. But yeah, I just want to score points. Points. I wonder. Offense. Yeah. I truly wonder how many of us are going to are going to actually feel this way in season. Like we say that now, like, OK, if the Jets lose on a late second touchdown and, you know, week three, we'll be fine with it. But when that actually happens, oh, I'll be living pissed off. Like, <laughs> what is that really going to look like? We're going to be like, wait a second. You know, I did say that I'd be OK with this. No, you're going to be pissed off. What happens is it's it was like the Knicks. Like this past season was like so much icing on the cake. I couldn't even tell you. I expected them to be better and improve, but did mm-hmm. not expect them to have home court advantage in the first round. I know they lost in five games, but like once they got there, I'm like, yeah, win the series. You have home court advantage. You had a great year. And mm. I, it's like, we always say this, like, you know, the goalpost is moved back. So if they, you know, let's just say the Jets start out two and one, the goalpost is moved back because they yeah. already have two wins. They already have the same amount of wins as they did last year <laughs> in the first three yeah. weeks of the season. So that yeah. means I expect better. I expect Absolutely. excellence. And you know what, with this coach, I think that that's possible. I think, you know, he's trying to make the standard a little bit higher. He's not trying to be like, you know, like any little win is a win to us. Like that yeah. was like the whole thing, like with like John Itzik, it was just like, well, like we made progress here or whatever. No, no, no. I want to see every week things are happening that are positive. I don't want us to look unprepared. I want us to come out strong and I want us to be the top, one of the toughest team in the NFL play, whether we win or we lose. Yep. No, I agree. I think, uh, you know, and I kind of made mention to it last week. I think the biggest thing for me that I really want out of this season is just answers. I want more answers than questions. We've so, only had uh, questions. Exactly. And, and too <laughs> often we've gone, okay, yeah, so I could see the Jets going, you know, nine and seven. If, you know, this, 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 that, you know, and these 13 things go our way. In reality, though, I just want to see, I want to come away with an answer at tight end. I want to know if Hernan's the real deal or if he's not and we got a cup eight. I want to see if we actually have something at corner in Bryce Hall or Bless mm-hmm. Austin or both and, and see what we have there and if that's something we can rely on for 2022. Um, you know, I want to see how the safety position is going to shake out. Is Ashton Davis a real thing or, or is this this injury riddled kind of, you know, whatever this is, is that going to hang on and then just lead to more, lead to more question marks? Um, you know, come next season. Is Solid a real deal? Is Zach Wilson someone that is, you know, building a foundation that we can actually have hope with? Or is that, you know, is he going to have such a roller coaster season that we really don't know what it's going to look like for the future? So I want to know that, you know, uh, Makai Becton and, and Elijah Vera Tucker are guys that we can rely on on the left side and then continue to build that front, you know, so and that's a lot to ask. I get that. But that's really, I think, primarily the biggest thing that I want out of this season is just, you know, more answers than questions come the end. So we can we know we can rely on and where the building blocks are for 22 and beyond. Yeah, I want the expectation next next season when we go into 2022 that this team's contending for a wild card. And that means a lot of answers. Have, a lot of questions have been answered. So, yeah, I think that's not an unfair expectation. The NFL, the turnover and changes. Things can happen real quick. I remember the Kansas City Chiefs, worst team in the NFL, had the number one pick 2013, made the playoffs, won, won 11 yep. games. It is possible. For the Jets, it was not possible because New England would always win the division. I get it. Yep. But, like, you know what? They have the infrastructure. They have a, they have what we think is a good general manager. He still has, you know, Jerry's still out. But I've liked what he's done, you know, the last two drafts. And I think he's been smart and he's been, you know, firm to his, like, goals and everything. Like, he's not just, mm-hmm. like – 
changing the way he's going to approach things just because of one player. You know, look at Marcus May, look at Jamal Adams. He's like, I'm going to do what's best for the organization and what I think can ultimately build the foundation going forward. You know, early returns on Salah, he hasn't coached a game, but I like what I see and I think that there is something there. But, you know, if he's losing, I don't care how amazing he is in the press conference. <laughs> and if we're getting blown out, I don't care. I mean, I'm, a, I'm optimistic. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, unlike Gase, who – Basically, the moment he was hired, I'm like, I want this guy out. So yeah. I was just hope expecting failure and wanted him gone as soon as possible. Thankfully, it was only two years. Felt like five, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But um, you know, also the quarterback. You know, I'm giving him, I'm giving him the same month, amount of time as Sam, three years. And if he shows anything after two, great. But he has three years. At that point, yeah. it is what it is. But if he looks awful this year, I'm not going to hold it against him. You know, it's a new offense. He's young. I get it. But I just want to show signs. I want to score points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't agree points, more. Man. Points, points, and points. I, yeah, and I think you're kind of just, you're, you know, it's to the point where we're all encouraged and, and extremely excited about this year, but we all have a little bit of PTSD when it, you know, when it comes to everything. You know, like, well, I think we're all kind of, you know, collectively pumping the brakes on Elijah Moore because we know how the excitement about <laughs> receivers have, have gotten. You know, even, you know, how many Mims jerseys did I see on Saturday? And that's, you know, obviously it's a question mark right now. Um, but you talk about, you know, guys from the past, the Stephen Hills, um, uh, Devin Smiths, you know, we don't, that has gone so poorly that we're, we're hesitant to get excited about Elijah Moore, but if you would have asked me at the end of 2018, I was not, I was a hundred percent certain that Sam Darnold was the quarterback of the future and look at how that yeah. shook out. So, I felt the same way. Yeah. You're always going to have Even, that. Now it's just built in. You're going to have that little shred of doubt. That's going to make you just, it's going to make you uneasy about feeling any sort of confidence in any player really <laughs> until we see it consistently, which I know is hard to do, but until we see that and the same thing with uh, you know, with Salah, I mean, look at how Rex Ryan started out. I mean, everyone would have bet, uh, you know, I would have bet my house that the Jets were going to go to a Super Bowl after the in all nine and 10 season. But then it just, the, the bottom completely fell out in 11 and, and the rest is history. So even that, you're going to be cautiously optimistic, I think is the best way to, to term it. We're sensitive. We're, we're, you, you, gotta, you, you can't poke the bear too much. You got to just be careful. <laughs> that's what, And I get it. And rightfully so. I mean, I think that's how every Jet fan feels. You're just you're you're scared to jump in, you know, uh, both feet. It's, yeah. it's, but, not, uh, listen, I've wasted too, many, too much money on jerseys. I have a Jamal Adams that still has the tags I've never worn. I have two Donalds <laughs> until somebody is like ascends and proves himself that they're going to be on this team for at the minimum 10 years. I am not yeah. buying a jersey. I'll buy a t-shirt. I will not I buy a jersey. I, I, I saw someone wearing a Tebow jersey. I'm like, why would you have ever <laughs> spent money on that? Like, and these some other guy we were on like the buses going to the facility from yeah. the parking lot. I'm like, we're just like shaking like this. Like, I've wasted way too much money. That's yeah. an even bigger waste of money. And that's saying oh, something yeah. coming from me. <laughs> I agree. I don't think we want to go through the, uh, the graveyard yeah. of jerseys that I have. Yeah. Me. I'll just wear, I'll just wear the swag, you know, yeah. wear my Revis. My Revis is my go-to. It's like my that's evergreen. It. That's, yeah. that's my advice to Jets fans. Buy a Darrell Revis jersey, buy, mm -hmm. you know, a Jonathan Martin. Abraham, Curtis yep. Martin, Ch yep. even Chad. Chad is a yep. fine jersey to get. I got um, Chad in there somewhere. Think yeah. of Nick Mangold, if you want to wear an offensive lineman, I personally don't, <laughs> but hey, you could do that. Or even, yep. oh, your boy Keyshawn. Love Keyshawn. You, you've constantly gotten mad at me about. Yes. I, I love Keyshawn. I'm just messing around with him. You're a hater, man. <laughs> I just said that I, he didn't live up to his expectations of number one pick. He was a good player. That's not true. <laughs> I, I, he was, he was awesome. I, I had his jersey. I like the old jersey when I was little. I, mm -hmm. and he's great. I mean, yeah. I was young for his peak, but you know, he did win a Super Bowl. You know, 
gotta gotta give the man his due you know i i agree he was hosting, he was hosting a, a morning radio show on espn he's he's yeah. made it man he was a consistently good receiver but agreed fall short of the expectations for a number one pick i, yeah. I can't i can't argue with that yeah look listen yep. if zach is an okay quarterback like you know he's let's just say a kirk cousins he's not mm-hmm. you know uh yeah. patrick mahomes is that kind of unfair but someone in, who's in the upper echelon yeah people are gonna say yeah like, he's fine but like he's not like if he's Jared Goff, let's say he's Jared Goff. Like people will be like, a, yeah, he failure. didn't live up to it. That's a that's fair, a like Jared Goff showed signs, but like he got traded for a reason. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he was like fine, but he wasn't going to move. You know, I personally think that Wilson probably has a little more upside. I think, you know, his ability to make plays outside the pocket Goff wasn't as mobile, but mm-hmm. he, he had good arm talent and it just, it didn't work. So I'm yeah. hoping that, you know, Wilson's not Jared Goff and he's his own guy and we don't, People were saying, oh, he's the next Zach Wilson instead. Like, who Zach's going to be? Agreed. Zach sets his own standard, and I th- that's what I want out of this team. Us to yeah. create the molds of that people want. Like, I want people to, like, want players from the Jets on their fantasy football team. <laughs> I always would say, people, don't take guys in the Jets. Take Elijah Moore. Take people Elijah are, Moore. who are my league, I'm going to probably reach on him, so you know this oh. now. There's a little strategy <laughs> about that. <laughs> I agree. First time, first time for me going into a dynasty league. So people be on the watch out for that, man. I'm drafting, uh, I'm drafting Elijah Moore and Zach early, and and Carter. All three of those guys are, yeah. should be taken in a dynasty league for sure. Agreed. Um, wow, we're almost at an hour. We got ten more minutes, but um, any closing thoughts? I feel like this has been fun, just us it, two. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really fun. No, I thought um, honestly, you know, my takeaways from practice on Saturday, I thought it was great. I thought the environment was great. It was obviously uh, it was great to get back out with the other fans. I think the excitement is clearly there. I think the players mm-hmm. fed off of it. You mentioned, you know, Vera Tucker getting the crowd hyped up. I think we've seen that over the course of the next couple of practices with some of the other rookies doing the same. Uh, Sala coming out. Um, thanking the fans for joining him, awesome. for joining the team, talking about the character of his guys. I just thought that was such a good and, and nice moment um, that I just really appreciated it. It made me kind of take a step back and say, you know what, this is exactly why, you know, 99% of this fan base feels confident in this hire is just uh, him. He just, he brings a presence, even him talking and kind of, you know, uh, in his press conference the other day when he, he made a comment about, you know, if you had told me we would have gotten uh, uh, Zach, AVT, Elijah Moore and Michael Carter in rounds, you know, rounds one through four, I would have I would have asked you what you were smoking. It just shows that he's human. I, I love that element of it. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's absolutely and it's the anti gaze but uh, it just makes you feel like they really did make the right hire. Now, you know, you mentioned it earlier. There's games to be played. Uh, he's got a, there's games to be coached by him. But overall, I think just the energy level, uh, the infusion of youth and talent on this team, it, it, you really feel it. I, I, I I feel like they're going to be competitive and I feel like they're not going to fall short of expectations this year. It's early. A lot can happen. Injuries can happen. A lot of stuff like that. I came away extremely impressed from camp. I really liked it. I really enjoyed my time there. It was great for my son to see it. He had a blast. If I could say one downfall, I think the jet shop was a little bit underwhelming. Yes. I was hoping for some more, was hoping for some all gas, no break merchandise. They still don't have Get it. On it. Why. You're missing <laughs> out. It's an opportunity to capitalize. I would buy a, ton of it um but yeah overall those are my thoughts man i thought uh, i thought it was great i was happy to uh, to meet you in person meet will in person it was awesome so yeah that's my i spirit. agree i have a proposal for the jets if anyone on the organization's listening my man definitely caused some people to buy some season tickets <laughs> so the least you could do for him because you're not going to give him you know commission off that is yeah. send him a gift basket of all gas no break gear 
That's deserves it. I know that tickets were sold. There's no, <laughs> no, no doubt about it, man. Three and a half million views. People hype mm-hmm. up Elijah Moore. I'm telling you, people bought season tickets because yeah. of Steven Russo. So send it's, him a gift basket with some all gas, no break gear. He deserves it. It's yeah, it's a small ask. It's my royalty check is just some all gas, no break merchandise. That's it. Or at the very least, put it on sale because it's still not on Fanatics. I keep checking yeah. all the time. I- <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. I don't even want a jersey. I just want the all gas, no break Nike stuff. That's like everything Saul wears. Like I just Mm -hmm. want that. And I love that he wears Yeezys, which is is amazing too. (laughs) Um, But thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, As always, don't forget to subscribe to our show on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the TOJ pod feed to get this show, to get Will's show. And then also draft season when it returns in October. And as always, if you love our content, don't forget to check out our Badlands Patreon with Joe and Connor. Um, really good stuff they've been cranking out. I know that they've been doing a lot more video and next week they'll actually have the Zach Wilson docu-series with a couple great guests, two hour long episodes to go through some of, you know, the draft process as well as, you know, how he's been looking and really expectations going forward. Um, and obviously there's some new Badlands merch. I know there is the golf polo. There is, uh, the bug. And then there's one more that I can't remember off the top of my head. Hopefully Feed number makes- eight. Yes. Feed number, number eight. eight. So if you're into Elijah Moore, but don't want to invest in the jersey, $25 <laughs> for that t-shirt. It's worth it. The stuff's comfortable. I need Joe to make a dad hat of Badlands, and then I'm really going to be all in. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>